I'm Rebecca Moffitt, president of Vanguard Charitable and the host of our podcast. Joining me today is Elaine Koenig, our director of communications and strategy. Together, we are closing out the second season of our podcast, which focused primarily on what we learned about COVID-19 relief and how donors can maximize their impact. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Elaine, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. As you remember, when we launched our first season in April of 2020, we wanted to encourage giving during a time of absolute incredible need. Our donors were anxious to give, and they wanted to know how to make a difference during the emergence of COVID-19. Since then, we've interviewed incredible organizations that have shared their experiences with giving during this time, while providing advice on how donors can make a meaningful impact. Just this season alone, we've spoken to Save the Children, the Center for Disaster Philanthropy, Sergo Ventures, CapShift, Candid, and even our own Mark Froelich, Chief Financial Officer at Vanguard Charitable. In today's episode, we'll touch on a few key things that we've learned this season, such as the importance of trust and restricted giving, how to leverage data to help drive solutions, strategic approaches for maximizing charitable impact, and of course, some advice for donors. Let's start with the importance of trust and unrestricted giving. Since before the pandemic and accelerating since then, nonprofits have been stressing the importance of flexible donations that nonprofits can direct as they see fit. This is also known as unrestricted giving. Donors have historically not liked this type of giving as much as earmarking it for specific initiatives. But we know that many nonprofits view this as the most important type of granting to help them achieve their missions and serve communities in need. Recently, there's been a shift. Donors are putting more trust in nonprofits and granting unrestricted dollars. For instance, Save the Children gives children in the U.S. and around the world a healthy start the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. When we spoke with Yanti Sarepto, president and CEO about COVID relief, she expressed how donors and supporters have adapted during the pandemic. And I would say one of the good things that we certainly saw with our supporters and funders out of the pandemic was that there is all of a sudden more appreciation for that need for flexibility. Because all of a sudden, all these plans, of course, were appended. And people went like, oh, yeah, no, 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 be flexible. Be flexible and figure out what works, right? So all of a sudden it could be done. Another really great example is the Center for Disaster Philanthropy, which helps funders, NGOs, and other partners mobilize a full range of resources to support communities in need of disaster relief. Patty McElreevy, president and CEO, shared... If you've identified the right organization that aligns with your values, that aligns with your mission... Trust them to know what to do to help in, in, the, in the best way possible for those communities by listening to those communities and working with those communities. At Vanguard Charitable, we're at an all-time high of grants going out for unrestricted purposes. Nearly 50% of all dollars are unrestricted, and that's been increasing year over year. When donors issue unrestricted grants, they are putting their trust into the nonprofits to use that money as they see fit. Our donors are very strategic in supporting the causes and charities they are most passionate about. By giving those funds unrestricted, they are accelerating how the nonprofit achieves its mission. 
Jacob Harold, co-founder and former executive vice president of Candid, an organization that has most comprehensive data tools and information about nonprofits, foundations, and grants, said, We want to pick organizations that are the highest performing because we believe that some are truly deserving of that additional attention and resource and celebration. Once we've done that, we have put trust in them. And I think we need to give them the flexibility to use that money as they see fit. Elaine, as I have shared with you time and time again, I am just so excited to see that statistic that nearly 50% of all dollars are unrestricted. It has been phenomenal to see how donors are truly responding to our nonprofits' needs. And I'm just so excited to see where that is headed. Another key theme that we're focused on this season was how to maximize your charitable impact. Leveraging available data and resources are great places for donors to find new charities and new ways to give. I believe that having access to all of this wonderful information has increased our donors' trust in the nonprofits they donate to, while also feeling more confident to give in an unrestricted manner. We actually believe that if you're going to address any of the challenges that are happening today in the community, whether they're COVID-19 vaccine uptake, maternal health, or really any other health or social problem, we need the most precise data available to understand the solution, to better understand where it's happening, why it's happening, who's affected, how people are different, so that we can devise solutions accordingly. You just heard from Hannah Kemp, Vice President for Impact and Growth at Sergo Ventures, a nonprofit organization focused on solving health and social problems with precision. At the beginning of the pandemic in March of 2020, Sergo created a tool called the COVID Community Vulnerability Index, which identifies vulnerable communities by aggregating dozens of indicators such as hospital capacity, employment, and access to transportation. The CCVI, as it's known, has been held up by the CDC as a critical resource for federal, state, and local response efforts. It actually had a major impact on how federal agencies, state governments, private philanthropists have responded. I mean, I can talk all day about different examples, but maybe I'll just give you a few. So one is that the CDC actually prioritized $2.5 billion in funding towards vulnerable communities. Um, a private sector organization, actually the Southern Bank Corps, used the CCBI to prioritize $100 million of loans and grants to communities most uh, in need. There were millions of dollars worth of PPE that were moved to under-resourced communities. It's truly an amazing tool. We partnered with Sergo to leverage the data from the CCVI to help us launch the Nonprofit Aid Visualizer Tool, or NAVI for short. It's a free, interactive, web-based mapping tool that's available on the Vanguard Charitable website and allows donors to easily search for and identify nonprofits that are supporting communities that are hit hardest by COVID-19. So using NAVI, you can actually find charities that focus on, say, providing health care to minority populations. 
So I spent just a few minutes on Navi last night and I actually found a number of really cool community health foundations, community health organizations that are providing free or reduced services to low-income residents and actually specialize in serving minority communities. So by having this precision data, it linked up me as a, a Navi user with a, a place where I can put my money today, right? And I know that it would be reaching vulnerable communities. We heard a similar response about Navi from our donors, and we even created an updated version of Navi to help donors find nonprofits providing hunger and homelessness relief. We absolutely encourage everyone to check it out. Speaking of data-driven platforms, Candid is another organization with amazing information about nonprofits that is made available through guidestar.org. Candid sources this data by reviewing nonprofits' annual reports in IRS-required 990 tax forms, distilling it for donors so they can make informed decisions about their giving and feel confident in the organizations they support. But one of the challenges with tax forms, as we know, is that they're sometimes not always current. Jacob went into more detail. The challenge with this data is that it's a tax form. And I know I wouldn't want my story as a human being told only by my 1040 just like a nonprofit wouldn't only want their story told by a tax form. It's a great start, but if we stop there, we're only gonna get a limited picture of, of nonprofits. That's why we invite nonprofits to come to our site and share additional information that's more current, but also asking different kinds of questions beyond the financial and governance questions uh, that you would see on a tax form to questions like, what are you trying to accomplish? How do you think you're gonna get there? What's happened so far? What are the metrics that you use to measure your own progress against your mission? And we pull all of that together and organize it and try and present it in a way that is as useful uh, as possible. The amount of information and data available today is incredible. Donors are now able to be even more thoughtful and strategic in how they maximize their charitable impact. The possibilities are endless, but the message is clear. By using data to better understand which communities or causes are most in need, donors are able to make a greater impact. As Jacob said, it's important to pick the causes or issues with your heart and the organization with your head. Having such access to credible information through organizations like Sergo and Candid ensures that donors are confidently and comfortably making the biggest impact possible. The third theme we focused on this season is how donors can maximize their charitable impact with strategic approaches. This includes varying investment options within their donor advised funds and leveraging recoverable grants. At Vanguard Charitable, our giving philosophy is anchored in the belief that the less you pay in fees, the more goes to charity. Therefore, our investment options have low investment fees without sacrificing quality. And because our investments are both high quality and low cost, our donors are truly able to maximize investment growth to support granting over time. In fact, Vanguard Charitable has granted more than 13 billion since we were founded in 1997. It really takes my breath away thinking of all the nonprofits that our donors have supported. I couldn't agree more. Low fees and a long-term investment discipline are key to maximizing your charitable impact. When we spoke with Mark Frolic, our CFO, about the impact of low fees over time, he said, The positive effects of low costs are compounded over time, which helps to maximize the dollars available for granting. 
And finally, it's important to maintain perspective and long-term discipline. Once you identify one or more investment options aligned to your goals, it's imperative to remain focused on that strategy and avoid distractions, such as short-term market volatility or news headlines. Not surprisingly, we have observed the majority of our donors maintain their asset allocations, even during periods of volatility, and this long-term discipline results in greater growth, generating more dollars for grant-making over time. Another way donors can maximize their charitable dollars is through different investment options. Impact investments have become very popular in philanthropy. And these are investments made into companies, organizations, or funds with the intention to generate social and environmental impact alongside a financial return. Impact investing is a very broad term, which includes investments with target returns ranging from below market to market rate. An example of a below market rate investment is an interest-free loan to a charitable organization, while an example of a market rate investment would be an ESG index fund. One type of an impact investment is a recoverable grant. It is a grant that works like an interest-free loan. The donor has the potential to recover the grant amount when the nonprofit meets or achieves certain objectives, and then reallocate the capital into future social impact projects. At Vanguard Charitable, we offer donors the ability to leverage recoverable grants through a program from CapShift. For those of you unfamiliar, CapShift is an impact investment platform that empowers philanthropic and financial institutions, along with their clients, to mobilize capital for social and environmental change. Rebecca, you spoke with Liz Sessler, Chief Operating Officer at CapShift, about how recoverable grants are used. She provided insight into how recoverable grants are best for nonprofits that are looking to realize their charitable impact. So we find that nonprofits are most likely to use this in um, situations where they're starting new programs that have revenue generation potential or they know other um, dollars are coming in. And we'll cover more of those later, but they're really unique circumstances. These aren't grants that should go out for general operating expenses or some of the traditional things you use grant dollars for. They're really for unique and kind of growth purposes with nonprofits. Liz shared a great example of recoverable grants that our donors were able to participate in. So one of the most common ways we see people use recoverable grants are to bridge gaps. And that's come up a lot most recently in the COVID-19 response and recovery efforts. So one of the examples that we like to use that I know a number of Vanguard charitable donors have also um, participated in is UNICEF USA has a vaccine program, right, that participates globally where they're trying to distribute vaccines across the world and get those to people as quickly as possible. And they get grant commitments from some of the largest donors out there, right? They're the big international um, NGOs that are supporting vaccine distribution. Those institutions, like any sort of government, move really slow, um, but they're very good for the money most of the time. And so donors can offer UNICEF USA a recoverable grant to bridge that gap. Um, and they're able to immediately put those dollars to work to, you know, save weeks or months, which when we're responding to a crisis matter a ton, um, and get those vaccines in arms faster. So that's one way that we see people use recoverable grants on a pretty regular basis. On that episode, we talked about how recoverable grants are used for three different categories. The first is for bridging capital gaps, like the UNICEF example just shared. 
The second is for expanding, growing programs quickly. And third is for new charitable programs that really push the envelope. Recoverable grants can be such an important part of how a donor implements their overall philanthropic strategy. While recoverable grants do come with a higher amount of risk than a traditional grant, they provide a potential way for money to come back to the donor for another grant down the road. They really can be a great tool. Liz gave us more information about how donors should evaluate risk. One thing I like to highlight for people who are thinking about this is that when you make a traditional grant, there is no chance of recovery. In some ways, these are your most precious dollars, right? You were saying, I trust this institution immensely to put these dollars to work in perpetuity. Um, With a recoverable grant, you need to be comfortable with the idea that the institution could have those dollars for forever, Um, but you have this potential for recovery. And that recovery may not be 100%, right? But it could be, you know, that 70, 80%. And even then you're getting those dollars back into your donor advised fund and you're able to think about what's the next best use of those dollars. Liz shared it is very important that recoverable grants and all grant dollars are allocated more efficiently. This helps nonprofits achieve their mission without increasing their burden or raising their costs. We also asked our guests for any advice they have for philanthropists. We heard a lot of great thoughts, starting with Patty from the Center for Disaster Philanthropy. Within the disaster industry, it plan for the future. You know, be strategic. If if you're reactive, you're likely to not have the response you want. You're likely not to look at a longer vision for recovery. So you you really have to think ahead. Find where is that interconnectivity in your strategy for what what types of disasters, what geographical areas, what type of programming. And if you plan that in advance, you can explain both to yourself, to your board, to your stakeholders, to your employees, whoever it may be, why we're helping here versus there or why we're helping more here versus there. There is unlikely to ever be enough to help everywhere as much as we'd all like it to (laughs) be there. So that strategy, that long view will really help set the stage for helping you make those hard decisions as time goes on. And, and, and there's resources out there, such as our Disaster Philanthropy Playbook, which can kind of help you think through what are the components of a disaster from a philanthropic lens and how might that connect with, with my own work, with my areas. Yanti from Save the Children said, For everybody, of course, funders, philanthropists, they find the, the area that you feel certainly passionate, uh, committed to, uh, feel that you have value add, uh, you know, alongside your dollars. Think about what other things do I have in my asset base? And that's in the broadest possible sense, right? Partners, collaborators, the skill sets, uh, capabilities in my organization, company, whatever. And then commit to an area. Try to hone in on a couple of things where you want to shift the needle and then commit multi-year. When we spoke with Jacob at Candid, he shared. If I had to bring it down to a single word for nonprofits to look for, it would be clarity. That the nonprofit is articulating in a clear way, a goal and a way of getting there. If I had to pick a second word, it would be humility. That nonprofits are showing that they may not have all the answers, but they are willing to learn and change and get feedback from their constituents or their partners or the world around them. And that that tension between clarity and humility is where learning happens. Um, and if you see an organization that has been 
brave enough to be clear about their approach and humble enough to be willing to continue to listen and learn, then that's a really, really good sign. And Liz Sessler of CapShift told us, if you are involved in philanthropy today, you're going to see more and more ways to get involved. And uh, I would say, please don't get, get intimidated. There are tons of resources out there to help you. And the long-term objective here for so many organizations and people, I think, is to create that better world for future generations for all of us. And um, the fact that we have more tools to do that just gives us you know, tons of creativity and opportunity for change. This is all great food for thought for new donors and those rethinking their giving strategy. With newfound access to critical data and information, it is even easier to confidently identify and support a meaningful cause and make a true impact. Modern philanthropy is driven by both strategic thinking and passion, the best of both worlds. We'll end today with a note of thanks to our donors and all of our listeners eager to learn more about charitable giving. Together, we can make a lasting and significant impact on the world around us. Thanks, Elaine, so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure taking a look back at our prior episodes together. For more information about Vanguard Charitable and Navi, please visit vanguardcharitable.org. Be sure to subscribe to the Value of Giving podcast for season three coming later this year. Thank you.